What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and this week we are back with episode 124, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC 255 pay-per-view going down this Saturday, November 21st, 2020, headlined by Davison Figueredo versus Alex Perez. This 12-fight card will take place from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, which means it will take place in the small UFC cage. Last week, I predicted 6 of 9 fights correctly on the podcast and profited 0.9 units on my official tracked bets on my BetMMA page, which can be found in the description of the YouTube videos and on my Twitter profile where I track all my official bets, where I am now up over 40 units for the year of 2020 and look to close out the last few events of 2020 strong. And that's where you can find all my official bets. I already have a few official track bets for this UFC 255 card. So go over there, check it out, follow me on there so you get an email every time I post a pick. And with that being said, we're going to start things off with the first fight on this card in the welterweight division. We have Louis Kasi taking on Sasha Palatnikov. The opening betting line for this one was Kasi minus 365 to Palatnikov plus 275. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Kasi minus 500 to Palatnikov plus 375. More action coming in on the favorite, Louis Kasi in this one, and I understand why. He is the more hyped fighter. He has probably the slightly better wins on his record, even though they're not that quality wins. A lot of low-level finishes on his record, but he does have seven first-round finishes. He's coming off of a contender series fight where he was able to drop Reyna with a left hook, finish him off in round one with some ground and pound, and he does come out very aggressive and force finishes in a lot of his fights. Now getting over to Palatnikov, there is not much footage of him available online, only a few fights. He's very inexperienced as well with just a record of 5-2. and two. He's an orthodox striker. He's got some pretty basic offensive striking. We have seen him hit takedowns against an opponent named One uh, in a five-round fight a few years back. We just really haven't seen anything impressive from Palatnikov, even though he is fighting low-level opponents. And the times where he has fought better opponents, like Mornier Lazez, he was taken down and TKO'd in that fight in round one. So with the way that Kasi comes out extremely aggressive, I think that he will find a finish in round one here. Kasi has never been out of round one. He's pretty untested as a pro fighter, but I think Palatnikov is low-level enough to where Kasi should be able to just swarm him, unleash some offense, and get an early round one knockout. And I think that's pretty likely as well. So if you want to stab on Kasi round one, Kasi round one knockout, I actually do already have a bet tracked on Kasi round one knockout at plus 200, which was available on FanDuel and Betfair. It's still available, available there. So if you like that line, if you think there's more than a 33% chance that Kasi goes out there and just starches him in round one, then I think you should take that line. I would honestly cap it at a 50%, maybe even higher for a round one finish for Kasi. So I like Kasi here. I think he gets the round one knockout. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Kyle Dockhouse taking on Dustin Stolfutz. The opening betting line for this one was Dockhouse minus 152 to Stolfutz plus 126. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing... Dockhouse minus 320 to Stofutz plus 260. Much more action coming in on the favorite Kyle Dockhouse here, and I'm going to disagree with the action. I understand the early better is coming in on Dockhouse at under 2 to 1, but after he got into the minus 200 range, in my opinion, all the value is gone from Kyle Dockhouse. First off, this is a really fun matchup. Really looking forward to this fight. Two Pennsylvania middleweights, and both of them are very skilled. They can fight on the ground with submissions and grappling, and they both have pretty good striking as well. 
I would say that Stolfutz is the slightly better striker in my opinion. We've just seen him have more success on the feet. We've seen him land some nice knockouts. He has good kicks, good punches, and Dockhouse shows glimpses of good boxing on the feet as well. He can throw punches and combinations well. We just haven't seen him keep the fight on the feet for long periods of time. Even when he was landing some good strikes against Brendan Allen and looking like he was outstriking Allen on the feet, he just kept shooting takedowns, getting the fight on the floor, and then the fight became very close because Brendan Allen is a very skilled grappler. He's able to reverse positions well, and he kind of gave Brendan Allen an opportunity to win that fight. So not a great uh, fight IQ moment from Kyle Dockhouse there, and it seems like he's getting a bit overrated in my opinion coming off of that win. It was a close fight against Brendan Allen, a split decision if I recall correctly, but now he's minus 300 against another pretty well-rounded fighter in Stolfoots. I just don't really see it. I think that the only way that Dockhouse justifies that minus 300 price tag is if he hits repetitive takedowns and kind of dominates in the grappling aspect of things, which I do not think he will do. I've seen some pretty promising things from Stolfoots in terms of grappling. I've seen him lock up a few nice guillotine chokes, and when I have seen him taken down, he's able to retain guard. It looks like he's comfortable off his back. He's looking for sweeps, and when he was taken down on the Contender Series by Joe Pfeiffer, he was able to use a leg lock to reverse position and then hit his own takedown on Pfeiffer, which eventually led to the TKO finish in that fight. So I definitely don't think that Stolfoots will be out of his comfort zone on his back. I think that if he does get taken down, he has a great chance of getting back up to his feet. And as I mentioned in the beginning of this analysis, I do think that Stolfoots has a slight striking advantage. I don't really like his boxing defense. He kind of marches forward without considering defense too much and gets hit with a lot of punches. But he has very potent offense. I like the way he combinations his strikes together. I like the way he mixes in his kicks to his game. Very powerful kicks. He has good... Uh, kicking defense he can check leg kicks coming back at him so I do give a slight advantage to Stolfoots on the feet and a slight advantage to Dockhouse on the mat so I think this fight really comes down to can Stolfoots stop the takedowns does he have the takedown defense in order to fend off some of the takedowns and shots from Dockhouse and we really haven't seen Stolfoots's grappling tested too much we have seen a few opponents shoot on him but we haven't seen him go against a solid grappler like Dockhouse so there's a bit of an unknown in this fight. I do like Stolfoots' chances at the current odds, but I'm going to end up picking uh, Kyle Dockhouse as my official pick. I think he does win this fight by decision, and I think that in terms of bets for this fight, I like the goes to distance prop, and I like the Stolfoots money line. I think Stolfoots money line is worth a half unit, maybe even upwards of one unit, because I do think this line is about 8 to 10% off. I think Stolfoots has a little bit better of a chance than the odds are giving him credit for. So it should be a really fun fight. really looking forward to this one, and I think the Dockhouse wins a close decision here. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Alan Joban taking on Jared Gooden. The opening betting line for this one was Joban minus 145 to Gooden plus 125. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Joban minus 150 to Gooden plus 130. There is two-way action coming in on this fight. The early action in the week came in on Gooden, but it seems like more people are betting Joban as the week goes on. And this is a fight where I don't really have much interest in betting. I think we have Alan Joban, who I believe is the much more skilled fighter in terms of grappling and in striking. But he is coming off of a long layoff, hasn't fought since April of 2019. That was a split decision loss against Dwight Grant, where he just did not throw much volume. He allowed that fight to be very close. He was very upset when the judges gave the fight to Grant, but he did very little to win in that fight. So he really has no reason to complain. 
So Joe Ban is coming off a little more than a year and a half layoff. He is getting older, of course, almost 39 years old, and he's not the most high-volume striker that you can rely on. So I do not like betting him as a favor here, although I do think, as I mentioned, he is the better skilled fighter in all aspects of fighting than Gooden. Gooden is a very athletic, aggressive guy. When he charges forward and throws combinations and strikes, he can be effective. He can knock some opponents out. He definitely has some power in his hands. I don't really like Gooden's striking defense, and a lot of the fights I saw of him, he would get hit with a strike and then kind of make a, a face back at his opponent and taunt them a little bit. Instead of really focusing on defense and focusing on countering, he kind of just showboats in there, does some weird stuff at times. And I haven't seen good things from him in terms of takedown defense, in terms of getting off of his back once he gets taken down, and he definitely slows down as the fight goes on. So I do think that Gooden's best chance of winning the fight is in round one. He's been the much more active fighter. Maybe he can catch Joe Ban a little rusty. He can charge at him, string some offense together, and touch the chin of Joe Ban. Joe Ban doesn't really have the best boxing defense, has been rocked and knocked out a few times throughout his career. And coming off that layoff, getting older, it's always a possibility that Gooden could catch the chin here early. I think that Gooden has a slight chance to win the fight outside of round one by late knockout or by decision, but I definitely think his best chance is in round one. And as the fight goes on, I think we will see the better striker, the better skilled fighter in Joban start to have more success to kind of settle into the fight and be the more accurate and effective striker as the fight goes on. But you can never really trust Joe Ban with that volume when he's only throwing 20, 15 strikes around. He is not a reliable guy to be betting on. So... I recommend passing on this fight. I think it is dog or pass. I think at these odds, if you want to take a stab on Gooden, the more aggressive, active guy, he probably has the better power of the two. Uh, maybe take a stab on that. Or Gooden by knockout. Gooden knockout round one. Those props might have some value. Uh, but personally, I will not be betting this fight. And my official pick is going to be Alan Joban by decision, but not a confident one at all. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Nicholas Dalby taking on Daniel Rodriguez. The opening betting line for this one was Rodriguez the favorite at minus 230 to Dalby the plus 195 underdog. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Rodriguez minus 300 to Dalby plus 250. More action coming in on the favorite Rodriguez here and I disagree with the action. I think that where the line is at now is a bit wide. Dalby is the one who had a full fight camp for this one. Rodriguez is the one coming in on short notice, although he has been very active lately. But you got to think that Dalby will have some advantages here considering he's been training for this fight longer. He was training in the fight Orion Kasi, who I did actually have a bet on Kasi in that fight. But in this matchup, I think there's value on Nicholas Dalby at this price. Rodriguez should definitely be the better striker. I see him having a lot of success with his boxing and straight punches. He's got very accurate boxing, and Dalby does not have the best defense. He kind of marches forward a little aggressively at times without proper defense, and that's how he got caught, dropped versus Jesse Ronson in his last fight. And Ronson is a southpaw, and a lot of the opponents that Dalby has lost to over the years were southpaw. And guess what? Daniel Rodriguez is a southpaw. So I do think that Rodriguez will be the much better striker and will be really hurting Dalby at range here. We have seen very little footage of Daniel Rodriguez's defensive grappling. We did see him get briefly taken down in his UFC debut versus Tim Means, but he popped right back up to the feet pretty quickly. 
but we still haven't seen Rodriguez face a guy who's going to shoot multiple takedowns, who's going to be in your face, who's going to push you against the cage and kind of try to grind you out. And that is the style that Nicholas Dalby fights with. He is a grinder. He'll push you against the cage, land some clinch strikes, look to hit takedowns, get his top game going. And he is a pretty decent grappler. And I think that he does really thrive in those clinching, grinding type of fights where they're trading position against the cage. So I do think that that's where the fight really ends up. I think that Dalby won't stay at range very long because he's going to be getting lit up with straight punches. So I think he tries to get the fight inside the clinch, make it dirty, make it ugly. And I think he probably has some success there and makes the fight closer than the odds indicate. I ultimately do think that Rodriguez will do the more damage and likely win the fight via decision. I'm not overly impressed with his knockout power and I think that Dalby is pretty tough despite him getting finished in his last fight and he will continue to come forward even if he's eaten strikes, look to get the fight in the clinch against the cage on the ground where he probably does have a slight advantage in this fight. I think that Dalby will probably steal around. I think that he maybe gets a late takedown or has some success cage pushing and grinding and probably makes this fight a 29-28 decision for Rodriguez. And I think that the value is on Dalby at this price. He has the full fight camp. He could possibly get this fight against the cage and get that grinding style going as I've been talking about. So there is a chance that Dalby pulls off a close decision here, but... Rodriguez has a much better chance to win the fight decisively with his boxing, possibly even land a knockout along the way. So don't go crazy betting on Dalby, maybe a half unit at this price. But ultimately, I am going to be picking Rodriguez by decision. And the goes to distance prop on this fight at plus money, I think has some value as well. The next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Antonina Shevchenko taking on Ariane Lipsky. The opening betting line for this one was Lipsky minus 110 to Shevchenko minus 109. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Shevchenko minus 155 to Lipsky plus 135. Much more action coming in on Shevchenko in this one. The fight opened at near Pickham, and we now see Shevchenko at minus 155. So a considerable amount of action came in on Shevchenko here. I do already have a bet tracked on this fight. I have two units on Shevchenko at minus 146. I do like her in this fight and ultimately think she probably wins it by decision. I just give her slight advantages everywhere here. I think she's the better distance striker. I think she's the much better clinch striker of the two. And even if the fight ends up on the ground, I do give a slight advantage to Shevchenko there. We did see Shevchenko get taken down and dominated by Chukagin in her last fight, but Chukagin's actually a pretty legit grappler, and Lipsky has nowhere near that level of grappling. Lipsky's only hit one takedown in the UFC, and it was a really sloppy head and arm throw in round three versus Jojo Calderwood, and she almost got armbarred when she was on top there. So I think that both of them are pretty sloppy grapplers. I would start to feel pretty nervous if this fight ended up on the floor. But I think that Shevchenko is the slightly better grappler and she's the more dangerous submission threat too if she does get stuck on her back. I think this fight mostly stays striking and I am pretty confident that Shevchenko is the better striker. I think she's more comfortable going backwards which is a big thing here because when you put Lipsky on the back foot she's very uncomfortable and ineffective. So if Shevchenko can get her moving backwards that will be good for Shevchenko and even if Lipsky is the one pressuring I think that Shevchenko is the more comfortable counter striker. She's got the better footwork and she should be able to deal with the pressure of Lipsky a lot better than if Shevchenko pressures Lipsky. I really envision this fight getting into the clinch pretty often and Shevchenko should have good success with knees there and clearly win the fight in the eyes of the judges. I'm hoping it's not too close of a decision, but it is women's MMA. The decisions are always very close. And other than Shevchenko getting stuck on her back for long periods of time in this fight, I don't see how she loses. Um, 
Maybe I've got a bad read on this fight and Lipsky is a better striker than I'm giving her credit for and maybe Shevchenko is not as good as I think she is and maybe I lose on her again here. I did lose on her versus Chukagian which turned out to be a pretty awful bet in retrospect. Um, so maybe I just have a bad read on Shevchenko as a fighter but I'm going to trust my, my read on this one one more time. I'm going to give Shevchenko one more chance. So I do have two units on her, minus 146 and think she wins a pretty comfortable decision here. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Joaquin Buckley taking on Jordan Wright. The opening betting line for this one was Buckley minus 182 to Wright plus 151. Over on Bet Online right now, we are seeing Buckley minus 240 to Wright plus 205. More action coming in on the favorite Joaquin Buckley in this one. I understand why he is the much more popular fighter. He's coming off of one of the best knockouts in UFC history. Tons of respect to Buckley for pulling that off. That was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in sports. So he's definitely riding high off of that knockout. And he could be possibly getting a bit overrated here in the betting line because of that knockout, in my opinion. But even before that knockout kick landed, Buckley was performing very well in that fight versus Impa Kasaganai. He had a lot of success in round one when he was aggressive and stringing together his combination punches. He's got very slick southpaw boxing. We did see Buckley struggle a little bit in his UFC debut against Kevin Holland. He struggled with the range of Holland and the way he uses his reach. He was struggling with the kicks and the straight punches of Holland, and that eventually led to his knockout in round three of that fight. But that was a short-notice fight against a very crafty, experienced fighter in Kevin Holland. There's not much shame in that loss. Now getting over to talking about Jordan Wright a little bit, he is a very young athletic fighter. He has some power in his strikes and has some good submission skills on the ground as well. But when Jordan Wright faced a step up in competition on the Contender Series versus Anthony Hernandez, he did not have good composure in that fight. He got pressured very easily, did not have good footwork, did not have good defense, got stuck against the cage, and Hernandez just swarmed a combination of punches and knocked out Wright very quickly in that fight. Now, I will say that Wright has bounced back from that loss pretty well. He fought Gabriel Checo as the dangerous grappler. He defended the takedown from Checo. He dropped Checo with a head kick and then finished him with some ground and pound. And then he got his UFC debut against Ike Villanueva, a very low-level opponent, but Wright handled him accordingly. He was able to cut him with some knees and elbows in the first 90 seconds of the fight and end that fight via cut stoppage very quickly. So Wright did bounce back from that first loss very well. And to be honest, it surprised me a little bit. With the way he got pressured and knocked out so easily versus Hernandez, I did not have high hopes for his career after that, but it seems like he made some necessary adjustments and he's been looking better in his past few fights. Unfortunately, I find it very hard to trust Jordan right here, mostly because his two most recent opponents that he did finish were much lower level opponents than Joaquin Buckley, and Buckley is going to be a much harder fight than those two guys were, and I think that we really haven't seen Wright address those problems in the Hernandez fight on tape, and we really have no idea how he will react to another pressure fight or another guy who strings combinations together, who pressures you, who gets you up against the fence and just unleashes bombs, and that's exactly what Joaquin Buckley is going to do, and I do think he eventually finds the knockout here. I just think he is so powerful and aggressive, and Wright looks so bad against Hernandez when he was pressured and boxed that unless Wright has made massive improvements... I don't see any way how he's going to be able to survive the boxing onslaught from Joaquin Buckley. In terms of bets for this fight, I don't really like either guy's money line. I think it's going to be a props or pass type of situation because Buckley is kind of reliant on knockouts, so I don't like trusting him at over minus 200. And right at plus 200 is a decent price, but I think I'm going to need a little bit better for him to show massive improvements and to deal with that boxing pressure 
better than he did in the Hernandez fight. I don't think that 2-1 to one is good enough to trust right yet at that price. So props are passed here. Maybe go Buckley knockout, although I don't have any bets in this fight. And uh, I think that the value is pretty much gone from the money lines here. And let's go with an official prediction of Buckley round one knockout. The next fight takes place in the flyweight division. We have Brandon Marino taking on Brandon Royval. The opening betting line for this one was Marino minus 213 to Royval plus 176. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Marino minus 185 to Royval plus 160. There is two-way action coming in on this fight, but I would say a little more action is coming in on Royval's side, and I understand why, but I do disagree with the action. Royval has definitely got a lot of hype around him right now. He's coming off of two wins in the UFC, two finishes, round two submissions in both of his UFC fights so far. I was a pretty big doubter of Royval before he came into the UFC. wasn't overly impressed with his skills, and I think I still remain a doubter of this guy. Because both of his wins, I wouldn't say they come with an asterisk, but I think that both of them, he didn't look very good in those fights. Uh, let's start with the Tim Elliott fight where he was taken down and outgrappled for the first six or seven minutes of that fight. And Elliott gassed out very hard in that fight. In round two, he was dead tired and he was still taking down Brandon Royval and keeping him on bottom. But eventually, about two minutes into that round, Elliott was just so dead tired, he flopped to his back. Royval was able to tap him out immediately. So I don't really give Royval much credit for that fight. He kind of stayed tough and was in the fight, not getting submitted. But that was really a, an Elliott gas out more than it was a Royval win. And then let's talk about the Kai Kara France fight where he was rocked by an overhand right very early in that fight. Then threw a crazy spinning back elbow, was able to rock Kaikar France, and Royval recovered from the, the knockdown, but Kaikar France never recovered. Royval was swarming him with offense and eventually jumped on a nasty guillotine in round two. I will say that the guillotine that Royval snatched up in round two was very nice, and I do give him credit for that. Now, on the other hand, we got Brandon Marino, who I am very impressed with, been really impressed with the improvements that he has made over the past few years. You can compare his first UFC run to his most recent UFC run, where between you and me, he is 3-0 in his past three fights. That draw against Askar Askarov was a bad decision, and Marino clearly won that fight, in my opinion. He largely was able to dominate Kaikara France in the boxing, and he did have a competitive fight against Juicier Formiga. He was stuck in some bad grappling positions, but he did escape a lot of bad grappling positions and just looked extremely athletic, extremely hard to hold down. And if Juicier Formiga, one of the best grapplers in the history of the UFC, was not able to hold Marino down for long periods of time and was not able to submit Marino, I definitely do not think that Roy Vall is going to be able to submit him. I mean, there is a minuscule chance that Roy Vall is able to snatch up some crazy submission in a scramble or something, but I do think that's very unlikely. And on the feet here, Marino is just a much better striker. He's the more proven striker. His boxing has been looking so great lately. Combination punches, good defense. He's got good kicks as well. Was able to drop Askar Askarov with a kick. And I really think that Marino is on a different level right now. He is so durable. He has great cardio in the late rounds. He's hard to take down, hard to hold down. And he's a very damaging and active striker on the feet. So I give Marino a ton of advantages in this fight. And I think that he actually has a good chance to win this fight via knockout. I think there will be such a big uh, skill difference between them on the feet that we could see Marino land so much damage in the punches that he could get a knockout over time so i like marino by knockout in this fight at plus 500 we'll likely track a bet on that and even marino's money line is playable at this price and i think that you should maybe wait a few more days maybe that roy vol action keeps coming in he has cash as an underdog in both of his ufc fights so maybe some late action comes in on roy vol and you get an even better price on marino and i think i'm going to go with marino by third round knockout as my official prediction here i could see a late knockout or decision 
and I'm doubting Royval again. I've doubted him in his first two fights. I've picked against him and bet against him in his first two fights. So maybe I've, I'm totally wrong about this guy, and he proves me wrong and loses me money once again. But I will pay the price to see it, and I will trust Marino here. So the pick is Marino round three knockout, and what an amazing fight. Can't wait for this one. The next fight is the first fight on the main card, and it takes place in the light heavyweight division. We have Paul Craig taking on Mauricio Shogun Hua. The opening betting line for this one was Craig minus 182 to Shogun plus 151 underdog. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Craig minus 175 to Shogun plus 150. There has been two-way action on this fight, and rightfully so. This fight is a rematch of a fight that took place just about a year ago, and it was declared a draw. Paul Craig get out to an early start in that round, outstriking Shogun Hua, but then had a kick caught in round two, spent a lot of time on his back and lost that round. Shot a weak takedown attempt in round three, ended up pulling guard and spending another four minutes on his back. So Craig spent about seven to eight minutes on his back in that first fight. Craig got some pretty lucky scorecards in that one. I'd say that he pretty clearly lost rounds two and three. One of the judges gave him a 10-8 round one, and another judge gave him two out of three rounds, so we saw a weird split draw there. Throughout the entire fight, I do think Craig did more damage. He landed the most significant strikes of the entire fight in round one. Definitely had Shogun in some trouble there early, but he didn't use his energy efficiently. Looked to slow down pretty heavily in those last two rounds. That's why he was stuck on his back for so long. But sometimes Craig is just content to stay on his back and go for his arm bars or triangle chokes that he's known for. But that's a detriment to him. Especially considering that Craig is a minus 175 favorite, you do not want to be betting your money on a guy who is known for pulling guard, who is known for getting taken down, spending a long periods of time on his back, and in this exact matchup, in the exact fighter that he's facing just a year ago, spent seven to eight minutes laying on his back and pretty tired in those last two rounds. I think it is fair to give Craig a striking advantage here. We saw him have some success early with his striking in round one of their first fight, and he is just a much younger, faster guy. I believe he's more durable. I could see a KO being more likely on Craig's side than for Shogun's, because even though Shogun still has decent technique on the feet, I think his striking lacks a little bit of power, and of course his speed is not what it used to be, and it's just kind of hard for him to catch opponents off guard and to land those knockout shots. The only type of knockout I see for Shogun would be an accumulated damage knockout where he's using those ground and pound positions to really unload on ground and pound, which he wasn't really doing in their first fight, so I can't rely on that to happen. So the most likely outcome for this fight is definitely a decision. I think the goes to distance prop around even money is a good bet for this fight to cover both sides. I think the most likely finish on either side is going to be a Craig knockout. I don't think Craig's chances of submitting Shogun are too high considering that Shogun is still a pretty good grappler and didn't have many problems on the, on the ground versus Craig in the first fight. And as I mentioned earlier, I don't see Shogun having the real power, speed, or tenacity to chase a finish on his end either based on what I've seen from him in his past few fights. I think the chances this fight goes to decision are around 65 to 70 percent so i really like the goes the distance prop in this fight i haven't locked in any action yet i'm waiting for the best price because it seems like people are still betting the fight does not go the distance so i will likely lock in some bets over the next 36 hours before the event on goes the distance here in terms of an official prediction i will go with paul craig to win a decision i think that his youth his athleticism and his speed advantage will come into play here and he will do a little bit more to win the rounds maybe make a little bit less mistakes than he did in the first fight avoid gassing out early not spending too much time on his back 
And if Paul Craig fights a little bit smarter than he did in the first fight, I think he should have a lot more success here and likely out-hustle Shogun to a decision, a 29-28 decision. So it's a close one. Not a fight I recommend betting on too heavily. I do like the ghost the distance in this one, and it is dog or pass in terms of money line. The next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Caitlin Chukagian taking on Cynthia Calvillo. The opening betting line for this one was Calvillo minus 156 to Chukagian plus 134. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Calvillo minus 260 to Chukagian plus 220. Much more action coming in on the favorite Cynthia Calvillo in this matchup, and I agree with that action. I think that where the current price is at now is likely a props or pass situation. I think the value is gone from Calvillo. If you weren't able to get her at that early price, the value is pretty much gone there. And I don't really like a value bet on Chukagan either. Even at over 2-1, to one, I think I've seen a bit too many red flags from Caitlin Chukagan to trust her here, even at that juicy price of over 2-1. to one. The first red flag that I will talk about is kind of a narrative, not exactly concrete proof or nothing, but there has been talks of Caitlin Chukagan wanting to start a family to have a, a baby with her husband, possibly retire from MMA. Of course, Chuk got a title shot earlier this year against Shevchenko. She did not perform well in that fight. She got her kicks caught very easily, dumped to the ground, and then dominated on the mat, got her guard pass, was smashed with ground and pound, and eventually got TKO'd about 11 minutes into that fight. And to be honest, you got to feel for Caitlyn a little bit. She went on that long win streak. She earned that title shot. But then once she got in there with Valentina, she learned that Val is on a completely different level. Valentina dominated her in that fight. And Caitlyn sadly learned that she likely will never capture that UFC championship. And that's got to be a tough pill to swallow. But Caitlyn rebounded very well from that loss. She took on Valentina's sister, Antonina, and then went on to dominate her sister, took her down, dominated her on the mat, and got some nice revenge from losing that fight so badly from Valentina. In Chukagian's most recent fight against Jessica Andrade, she got pressured early in that fight, got pushed against the cage. She was taken down a few times, but she bounced back up to her feet pretty quickly. A lot of that fight took place against the cage and in the clinch, and Chukagian actually did pretty well in the clinch with her underhooks and landing good knees to the bodies. She just couldn't really get at a comfortable distance uh, to really compose herself versus Andrade. Andrade was just constantly making her uncomfortable and eventually landed a nice body punch that led to an early knockout for Andrade there. And they're just throwing Chukagian right back in the mix. Another really tough matchup. Another possible number one contender in Cynthia Calvillo. So the UFC is doing Chuk no favors. Now getting over to Cynthia Calvillo, she looked pretty solid in a five-round performance against Jessica I. Largely dominated that fight. Her striking looked pretty solid. And one of Calvillo's biggest skills that will come into play in this fight is catching kicks. She's very good at catching her opponent's kicks. And Chukagian kind of had some slow telegraph kicks against Valentina Shevchenko. And that's how Valentina was able to easily hit takedowns in that fight. So that's something you're going to have to look out for here. If Chukagian is throwing those lazy body kicks and front kicks, look for Calvillo to catch them, turn them into takedowns, and get her top game going. I do think that Calvillo is the better overall grappler. Chukagan is not bad off of her back, can retain guard, can throw up a submission from time to time, and can stand up when she gets taken down, which was proven by the Jessica Andrade fight just last month. I think that Calvillo could be a little bit better at keeping her opponents down once she gets those takedowns. Andrade sometimes slams her opponents and allows them to get back up or goes for wild ground and pound on the ground, while Calvillo is much more positionally focused and gets her opponents in bad positions and keeps them there for long periods of time. In the striking here, I think it will be mildly competitive, but I do give Chukagian a pretty comfortable advantage on the feet. She will be much bigger in there. I think she's had more success outstriking higher level opponents than Calvillo has. 
I do think we see Chuk have some success when the fight is at distance or when the fight is in the clinch. And that might be good enough for you to bet her as an underdog at plus 200 because when the fight is standing, I do think that Chukagan will be edging it. And Calvillo really needs to hit takedowns to win this fight comfortably, needs to hit takedowns to justify that minus 200 price tag. So if you are a doubter and Calvillo is wrestling, or if you trust Caitlin Chukagan's takedown defense and get-ups, then I think that Chukagan might be a good bet for you. I actually already have a bet tracked on this fight, and that is going to be a 2.5 unit bet on Cynthia Calvillo to win by submission or decision at minus 180 over on FanDuel or Betfair. I really like that line. I do think the most likely outcome for the fight is going to be Cynthia Calvillo decision. I would cap that at around 65%. So if you don't have access to that sub or decision line, I still think there is some value on Cynthia Calvillo by decision straight up. I do not think the chances that Calvillo submits Chukagan are very high. I would only cap it at maybe 5 to 10% maximum. Chukagan is a pretty decent grappler. She's not going to get passed easily. She's going to be able to retain guard and to throw up submissions and to make it somewhat competitive on the ground. I don't think that we see Calvillo pass and submit her very easily because Calvillo had a lot of top time versus Marina Rodriguez lately, who I think is a pretty lackluster grappler, and she wasn't able to get a submission on Rodriguez. So I do think that Chukagan is able to survive to make it to a decision, but I just don't see any way that Chukagan is able to stop the takedowns here without getting her kicks caught, without getting taken down against the fence in the small cage. I think that that just really favors the grappler here in Calvillo, and I think that she eventually finds a way to get the fight to the floor, get her top game going, and win this fight via decision. So the pick is Cynthia Calvillo by decision, and I have a 2.5 unit bet on her to win by decision or submission. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Mike Perry taking on Tim Means. The opening betting line for this one was Perry minus 152, Means plus 130. Over on Bet Online, we are seeing Perry minus 149, two Means plus 129. The line is staying about the same as it opened, but the early action did come in on Means, and now the late action is starting to come back in on Perry later in the week. Now, before I objectively analyze the fight here, I gotta say something about this fight beforehand. Considering the article that was written by MMA Junkie just a few months ago about Danielle Nickerson, Mike Perry's former girlfriend, former cornerman, and coach, where she talks about a history of domestic violence that happened in their relationship, multiple occasions that Mike Perry assaulted her, punched her in the face, got on top of her, and unleashed a combination of punches on her on the ground, and there is irrefutable evidence there are 911 calls there is mike perry's own mother's testimony saying that she was in fear for her life and she called the cops on her own son it just amazes me that the ufc is allowing mike perry to continue fighting on this card to be given a main card pay-per-view spot to fight in front of millions of people and the opportunity to earn $180,000 if he wins this fight they're giving him all these privileges and opportunities despite the fact that He's a professional athlete. He does not behave like a professional athlete. He abuses women. He's been caught punching people in public earlier this year. The man is a disgrace. He's a piece of shit human being. And I know this is a betting podcast. We're here to look at fights, to bet on fights, to analyze fights. But you got to take a step back and realize that there is irrefutable evidence that he has assaulted a woman multiple times. So if you want to try and defend Mike Perry and argue that he should be allowed to continue fighting in the UFC and they're only allegations and she could be making it up, you're a coward, you're a pussy, and you are enabling and tolerating a man who beats women. And sadly, Mike Perry is not the first and only piece of shit in the UFC. There is a long list of guys who have criminal backgrounds, who have domestic assault allegations, sexual assault allegations, 
there was a long list of bad guys in the UFC, but this example is just so relevant because Danielle Nickerson was a member of the MMA community. She was in Mike Perry's corner. She was interviewed before fights. She was well known to MMA fans. So now that she's decided to speak up, to tell her story, to share her traumatic experience with us, I think that everyone in the MMA community should be supporting Danielle Nickerson and should be criticizing Mike Perry during this fight week. So as you all know, I spent about 99% of the time on the podcast talking about bets, but I felt a real moral obligation to talk about this. I hope you all agree with me. I hope you all support Danielle Nickerson, and I'm glad I decided to talk about this for just a few minutes. Now, getting down to analyzing this matchup, I actually think this is a pretty evenly matched fight. I think that the value is definitely on Tim Means in this one. It's definitely dogger pass. Would not be laying the chalk on Mike Perry in this one. I really haven't seen Mike Perry make many improvements in his past few fights. I think the best that he's looked in his past five or seven fights was the fight against Vincente Luque, a very even competitive boxing fight in that one. Had a very high output in rounds one and two. Started to lose the second half of the fight and lost a close decision, but there's a good argument that Perry actually won rounds one and two and should have won that fight. And that's definitely the most impressive thing that either guy has done lately. Perry going the distance with a very high level guy in Vincente Luque. I would say that Perry looked pretty underwhelming in his win against Mickey Gall. I was expecting that fight to be a lot more dominant on the feet for Mike Perry in the striking exchanges, but there were actually some close moments. If you look at the official strike numbers, they were actually pretty close in terms of official strikes. Although, I do think that Mike Perry pretty clearly outstruck him, landed the more impactful shots. But despite Perry picking up the decision win there, I do not think it was really good for his stock long term. I don't think we saw a lot of promise in that fight. One definite advantage that Perry has in this fight is his durability. I think that he has the much better chin of the two. We haven't really seen him hurt or knocked out as much as Tim Means, who has been struggling with his defense and his chin in his recent fights. He got knocked out versus Nico Price in a crazy back-and-forth brawl. He got briefly rocked versus Tiago Alves. He got dropped twice versus Rodriguez. And his chin is just looking like a big liability in his recent fights. A good thing for Tim Means in this fight, though, is I think that Mike Perry's power is kind of depleting a little bit. We haven't really seen him landing those same knockout blows. We haven't seen him looking as aggressive, throwing as much volume as he did in his early fights when he was landing knockouts. I think that Perry's chances of landing a knockout are about 20% here, while Tim Means' chance of finding a finish are around 10-15%. So I think that Perry is slightly more likely to win via finish. I think the most likely outcome is the fight going to a decision. I think these two will be evenly matched. They will be pretty even on volume. They might hurt each other with punches at some point, but I don't think either really chases or finds that finish. I think we'll see a competitive 29-28 decision that I eventually do think goes Mike Perry's way. But I would definitely not say it's a confident pick. I think that Perry's chances in this fight are about 55%, so I would give a slight advantage to Perry. You got to have a bit of a concern over Means' durability and his chin issues, but as I mentioned earlier, I think that Perry's power is being a little overrated lately, and I think that Means' durability could be a little overblown, and he might be a little tougher than we're giving him credit for. So I do think that Tim Means competes, ultimately loses a close decision, but I might lock in a bet on Tim Means if the value keeps going towards his direction. If that action keeps pouring in on Mike Perry, I might eye a small bet on Tim Means. So close competitive fight. I'm going to side with the youth here, the more durable fight and Mike Perry to edge a close decision. The next fight is for the UFC Women's Flyweight Championship between champion Valentina Shevchenko and challenger Jennifer Maya. The opening betting line for this one was Shevchenko minus 750 to Maya plus 550. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Shevchenko minus 1700 to Maya plus 1000. 
Much more action coming in on the favorite, Valentina Shevchenko, and I agree with that action. People are probably throwing her in parlays. I think that where the opening line was set at minus 750 was too short. Where it's at now, minus 1700, much more accurate, putting her chances at around 94%, and I think that's very accurate for this fight. I think that Shevchenko getting injured is actually probably more likely than Maya finding a way to win the fight. I like to think I have a pretty creative imagination and I'm still struggling to imagine a scenario how Jennifer Maya wins this fight. Maya has done okay against the mid-level flyweights in division, picking up some victories over Calderwood and Roxanne Matafari. But even in some of those fights, we've seen a lot of weaknesses from Maya. We've seen her get her kicks caught and get taken down. We've seen her get taken down by Liz Carmouche. And once she gets put on her back, she is not very good at getting back up to her feet. She can throw up an occasional submission like she did versus JoJo Calderwood. Got a kick caught, got taken down, and snatched an armbar versus Calderwood to earn her this title shot. But that just simply will not work against Shevchenko, who is just such a far better grappler than any woman she's ever faced. I do think that Shevchenko has a good chance of catching those kicks and to getting those dumps, similar to how she did versus Chukagian in their fight. Chukagian was throwing lazy body kicks. Shevchenko easily caught them, turned them into takedowns, and started dominating from top position. We saw a lot of aggression from Shevchenko in that fight. She was trying to pass guard. She was landing big ground and pound strikes, and eventually she got the mounted crucifix in round three and won via TKO. I think we see a pretty similar story here in this Maya matchup. Maya will be throwing those lazy body kicks. Shevchenko will catch them, turn them into takedowns, and start dominating from top position. There's always a concern that the fight could just stay standing and they could just kind of stare at each other and be low output. Shevchenko does start pretty slow in most of her fights and pick up the tempo as it goes on. And if Maya doesn't really want to commit to anything, she's kind of scared in there. We might see a staring match for a little bit. We might see that go on for multiple rounds. I really hope not. I really hope that Shevchenko shows some aggression and she goes out there and finishes Maya because she is so many leagues above Jennifer Maya that I think that if she shows even half the aggression that she showed versus Caitlin Chukagian, she should finish Jennifer Maya in the first three rounds. And that is why I have a bet on Valentina Shevchenko to win in rounds one, two, and three. I just think that she will be so damaging on the feet. She will be dominating from top position if she gets there. Jennifer Maya is so bad at getting off of her back. I think Valentina will pass her guard easily, will mount her, will get a mounted crucifix, will just unleash ground and pound, possibly get a submission somewhere along the line. And I would be really shocked to see this fight go into rounds 4 or 5 or the decision. Valentina would have to be very timid and passive like she did versus Liz Carmouche in order for this fight to go the full five rounds. But Carmouche is a better fighter and grappler than Jennifer Maya is. She beat and outgrappled Jennifer Maya. So I think that's a much different matchup. And I think that we will see this be more of a mismatch like the Jessica I and the Chukagian fight. So in terms of an official prediction, I'm going to go with Valentina Shevchenko to win by submission in round two. And I have a bet on Shevchenko to win in rounds one, two, or three. The next fight is for the UFC Flyweight Championship between champion Davison Figueredo and challenger Alex Perez. The opening betting line for this one was Figueredo minus 210 to Perez plus 180. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Figueredo minus 270 to Perez plus 230. More action coming in on the favorite, the champion Davison Figueredo in this one. And I'm going to disagree with the action. I think that where the opening line was set, minus 210 for Figueredo was very accurate. And I think that where it's at now, the value has shifted to Alex Perez. First off, just want to say what an amazing matchup. Can't wait for this fight. Both of these guys are such great fighters. 
The fight that was originally scheduled was Davison Figueredo versus Cody Garbrandt, but once Garbrandt withdrew from that, Alex Perez, who was supposed to fight Brandon Marino on the same card, was promoted to the main event. It seemed like the UFC had a backup plan in case one of these guys fell out, and they brought Perez up. Personally, I thought they should have brought Marino up, but it's okay. This will still be a great fight, and I think that we eventually will see Figueredo versus Marino in the near future. Just to start things off, I want to talk a little bit about their records and their resumes. I think that Figueredo has faced the much tougher competition in the UFC and has the wins over better fighters. And if you look at Alex Perez's record, he actually had a pretty easy path to the title, beating DeThomas, Shelton Torres, they're no longer in the UFC. De La Rosa and Espinosa are kind of mid-level flyweights. He lost to Benavidez in that weird fight with a headbutt, and his best win is his most recent win over Juicia Formiga, a first-round knockout due to leg kicks just about a few months ago. So Perez looked very sharp against Formiga. That was a great win, and he has showcased a lot of great skills throughout his wins, like his top game, his takedowns. But I still think he hasn't fought many high-level fighters, and I think that Figueredo has fought and beaten the much better competition, which is very relevant in this matchup. The most similar matchup to Alex Perez that Davison Figueredo has fought would be Jared Brooks in one of his closest fights in the UFC. Figueredo has only officially lost one time in the UFC to Juicia Formiga, but a lot of people claim that he lost this fight to Jared Brooks. He was taken down seven times by Brooks and was held down by Brooks for a seven and a half minutes throughout the fight. So that's definitely a concern for this matchup. Alex Perez has shown decent wrestling ability. He has shown a good top game, but... In my opinion, this is where the biggest misconception about this matchup is happening already is who has Alex Perez taken down, who has he top gamed, and that would be Carl's John to Thomas, Eric Shelton, Mark De La Rosa, and Jordan Espinosa. Not exactly the highest level competition, actually nowhere near the level of fighter that Davison Figueroa is. I think a lot of people are assuming that Alex Perez has taken down opponents in the past. Figueroa has been taken down that Perez should land easy takedowns here, but I do not think they will be easy takedowns at all. If we look at the two opponents that have taken down Figueroa, starting things off with Jared Brooks, I think Brooks is a more explosive and experienced wrestler than Alex Perez is, and he's also more proven at shooting a high amount of takedowns throughout the fight, which we really haven't seen from Alex Perez, he hasn't really faced much adversity in terms of grappling his opponents. He did have to take down Eric Shelton five times. He did look pretty good cardio-wise doing that, but just did not face much resistance in that fight from Shelton. So it was still a pretty easy fight for him cardio-wise. And the other guy who took down Figueredo was Formiga, who is one of the craftiest fighters in all of MMA. He did really good setting up those takedowns, frustrating Figueredo by kind of stalling that fight out a distance early. And then he exploded in with great timing, was able to take down Figueredo, was able to pass his guard, was able to mount him, and had a lot of success holding Figueredo down. But that is Juicy Formiga we're talking about, one of the best control grapplers in UFC history, one of the best grapplers in all of MMA history. Juicio Formiga is super underrated, and just because he held Figueredo down and was able to pass his guard, I think a lot of people are assuming Perez will do the same, and I do not think so. I think that Perez is still very hard to hold down. He has got a great guillotine choke to stuff takedowns. He can throw up an armbar off of his back. He's extremely active off of his back by throwing elbows and punches like he did in the Formiga fight. So even if Perez is taking Figueredo down, he's still going to be in danger from guillotines, arm bars, ground and pound. And of course, Figueredo is just athletic frame that is so hard to hold down and is probably going to exhaust Perez trying to drag him back down to the canvas. 
Now I've been talking mostly about grappling between these two, so let's talk about the striking here. I do give Figueroa a pretty significant striking advantage on the feet, and it all comes back to who has Alex Perez outstruck. He did really well attacking the calf kicks in the Juicy A4 Amiga fight, and in my opinion, that was the most impressive feat of striking he has shown in the UFC. But if you look at some of the guys he's outstruck and the guys he's knocked out before, they're just not on the level of Figueroa, and we really can't translate the experience in those fights to the Figueroa fight. Meanwhile, we have seen Figueroa strike against fellow high-level strikers in the flyweight division, being Pantoja and being Joseph Benavidez, and Figueroa was able to get the best of both of them. Joe B and Fig had a very close round one of their first fight. It was a back-and-forth round where Figueroa ate some big shots from Benavidez there, but... Eventually, the nonstop pressure and the elite accuracy of Figueroa's boxing led to that right hand landing and dropping Benavidez and finishing him off. And the rematch was just an absolute slaughter. Fig dropped him with the left hook one minute into the fight and attempted multiple rear naked choke attempts. Benavidez kept escaping. Figueroa kept dropping him and eventually did submit him via rear naked choke in round one of that fight. Just a brutal finish. You got to give credit to Figueroa how he approached that second fight. He learned from his mistakes in the first fight, and he approached that second fight with so much more efficiency and precision. He dropped Benavides with that left hook early and just never let him off the hook, was just doing damage and attempting to end the fight for three or four minutes straight, and eventually did end the fight at the end of that round. So he is just a ferocious finisher. He's got power in his hands, and as he proved in his past few fights, he's got dangerous submission skills as well. He locked up that guillotine choke on Tim Elliott. He threatened with an arm bar in the first Joe B fight, and then eventually locked up that rear naked choke in the rematch. So Figueredo is a dangerous grappler, not just a striker and he can finish you from anywhere in the fight. So getting down to how I see this fight playing out, I do think that Perez will have some early success. I think that he's probably my slight favorite to win round one. I think that he will come out strong. He will land some takedowns, maybe have some success with his calf kick. But the way that Perez was entering the pocket and getting a little reckless versus Formiga, I really did not like what I saw from his boxing defense. And I really can't shake that feeling that Figueroa is just going to be landing massive damaging elbows and punches while they're on the feet. And even if Perez is landing some brief takedowns, I think Figueroa will work his way back up to the feet and get right back to doing damage with his power strikes. Those great clinch elbows, those powerful punches at range. I think eventually the offense of Figueroa is just too damaging and powerful. And eventually we do see a knockout from Figueroa in rounds two or three here. I think I'm going to go with a round two knockout in terms of my official prediction. Again, I do think Perez has some early success, but he will not be able to keep up that wrestling pace. Figueroa will be making him pay for those takedown entries with guillotines, with submissions, with ground and pound off of his back. And Figueroa is just going to take a massive amount of energy to hold down and to keep down. And I just haven't seen Perez show enough of his top game. I haven't seen Perez show enough of his striking to think he can compete on the feet. And I just think that Figueroa will be too much for Perez and eventually scores a knockout in round two here. I did mention, though, I do think the pre-fight value is on Perez, and I do have a half-unit bet locked in on Perez at plus 250. I do think that's an appropriate amount. I see a half-unit to one unit's worth of value on Perez at that price because I do think he starts fast. I do think he looks like a good bet for the first five to seven minutes of the fight, but that will be short-lived. Figueroa will take over, and he will land the knockout in the mid-rounds.
So that is going to do it for this podcast. UFC 255 goes down this Saturday night. It's actually a very good card. I'm looking forward to a lot of different matchups, most particularly the Brandon Marino fight, the main event between Perez and Figueroa. That should be amazing. Also looking forward to the Pennsylvania German middleweight championship between Kyle Dockhouse and Dustin Stolfoots. That should be a lot of fun. Have a lot of bets already locked in for this card. Two units on Shevchenko, 2.5 units on Calvillo by sub or decision. Two units on Shevchenko, one, two, or three, and a half a unit on Perez, money line plus 250. I will likely add a few more bets too, so keep update with my Bet MMA page. That's where you find all my official bets. And you can follow me on my Bet MMA page so you receive an email every time I add a new bet to my profile. So hope you all enjoyed listening to the podcast. Hope to make some profit this weekend. I hope you all win some bets, enjoy the fights, and I will see you all before the next UFC. Peace.